every day for like 10 years. It's so rare for me to be on site at a client. Hello and welcome to Terrifying Robot Dog. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about how technology is changing the way we interact with the world. This week we talk about virtual snow days. Please stay tuned. Terrifying Robot Dog is next. It's kind of a fake tease. Yeah, well, we made it through the intro in the third try. Yeah. So, welcome back. Yes, welcome back. Feeling good? Looking good. (laughs) So, yeah, this is the first episode of season four. Yes, it is. The first one of 2017. Very exciting. So, quite a few things have happened in the Mm -hmm. intervening, what, eight weeks? Yeah, something like that, six or eight. I think we were... I think we're a week late starting back than we intended. Yes, because reasons. Uh, yeah, hopefully everyone had a nice holiday if you have that sort of thing around the end of the year. And I, I remember predicting that, or, or worrying, I suppose, that not that much would happen over the holidays. And uh, that turned out not to be the case. There are quite a few interesting things to talk about over the course of the next few weeks, including... Uh, some Alexa news or Echo news, getting involved in a lawsuit and Snapchat going, making some pretty serious moves into wearables and uh, uh, Tesla making some announcements, all, so, all sorts of wild things going on. But since it's winter where we are, yes, we thought we'd talk about virtual snow days. Yeah, just kind of kind of ease back into it with something interesting and, and not too technically difficult today. Yeah, and I think it I think it really speaks to what the show's about at the core mm-hmm. is, you know, how technology is changing the way we interact with the world. It's like affecting society in a major way. And this story popped up on your radar recently that was an example of technology impacting one of the oldest institutions in the U.S. I don't know if I'm, I'm guessing at that. It's, it certainly seems like one of the most long-running institutions in my lifetime. Yeah, I would say it is, and and that being the world of public education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, as folks probably know, sometimes it snows. <laughs> sometimes, and if you live in the South like me, see, we've we've already had two snow days this year, and we had maybe two inches of snow. Oh wow, calamitous! So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, they called off they called off school on the first day because of the forecast of snow mm. that afternoon. So this is this is the level of no one can drive in snow paranoia that you have in the southern states. It's true. I used to live in Atlanta, and if it rained, basically shut down the city. Never mind snow. <laughs> yeah. And it's it depends on how prepared you are for it. It's not the kind of thing that you know. I'm sure Kentucky, you know, doesn't have a giant fleet of sanding trucks and plows like we do. Right. I mean, we have a we have a few, but they just don't need to spend that much money on that kind of infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, th- I'm already, I'm like Uber for snow plows. No. Okay. So, <laughs> so a long standing tradition of my youth was sitting by the radio in the morning when there was snow outside after first snow and praying that <laughs> yes. off on the radio, the announcer would list off our, you know, Warwick, Rhode Island. Yep. They're going through the list alphabetically and you're sitting there with your fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Foster Gloucester, no school. <laughs> for some reason, Foster Gloucester. In, in Rhode Island, just if a, if it snowed at all, they just cancel school. It didn't matter. Yeah, yeah, that, that's like here, but Elliott County. If it's like too cloudy, they'll cancel school. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one particular story where my little brother's school was immediately before mine, and alphabetically, and mm-hmm. they get to his, and they're like, 
you know, Warwick Neck Elementary School, no school. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, shut up, I can't. Hit. And then I couldn't hear if mine was no school or yes school. So I had to go in just in case there was school. Oh. It turned out there wasn't. Oh, that's, yeah. Now I just get a text message at 5 a.m. See, technology making, well, maybe that's better. I think that's better than huddled up by the radio. <laughs> yeah, I, I just wish it wasn't at 5 a.m., but... So some superintendent, let's find out which one. Since we have forgotten, um, I'll, I'll let you look it up because eyeballs. Yes. There's actually a few schools Yeah, it looks this. like it's been a few. So, okay, so the particular one that is featured in the article is the Pascack Valley Regional High School District in northern New Jersey. They had uh, what they called, I think, the ideal snowstorm or the perfect snowstorm. <laughs> where there was a lot of warning that it was coming. There weren't widespread power outages. And because of the forecast, they had time to prepare. And the school, the students were already equipped with, uh, I think in this case it was laptops. But I, there's, think, I uh, think so, yes. Yeah. So they just had the teachers prepare lessons that could be done remotely, which is so non-interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it's a no-brainer. Like, okay, I, I, I do remote work every day of my life. Every day for like 10 years. Yeah. It's so rare for me to be on site at a client. And so so it's funny, but I still, when I saw this, I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's threatening to the industrial world order, mm -hmm. you know, because the, the there's a great uh, TED talk. I think it's a TEDx talk that Seth Godin gives to a room full of educators that we, we can link to in the show notes, but it's called, I think it's, I don't know if this is the title, but it's basically about what is school for. He says, what is school for? He asks the room full of people, what's it for? And it goes, it just has a great, just as a great talk about like, what's the point of school and the origins of, you know, grooming factory workers and soldiers and so on and so forth. And one of the uh, one of the complaints, I guess, or one of the one of the sort of people interviewed in the article who was kind of like, "Well, I don't know if this is such a good idea." Well, it's it's not as good, but not all children learn the same way. So depending on you know this or that, and then gets down to the gets down to what I think is a, a sort of hidden agenda in mm -hmm. a lot of public school, in the in the entire institution, it's hardly even hidden, is that it's all about compliance. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of the a lot of the teachers and, and administrators in the article were like, okay, this is cool. This is the thing we can work with. Um, there's there's good engagement. But there was there was the one kind of naysayer that like, well, I don't you know, I mean, obviously it's not as good, but it's better than nothing. I'm not convinced that's accurate. I agree. It, it reminded me of skeptical managers in large companies that are like, I mm -hmm. don't know about working from home. Yeah. How will we know you're not doing your laundry? And it's like, you won't, but I'll be getting my work done. But if I'm getting the work done, it doesn't matter if I'm doing laundry too. <laughs> right. But if the hidden agenda is compliance, then mm -hmm. how will we, how will we make sure you're complying with standing in line and being here when the bell rings and, you know, doing this when we tell you to and doing and, that when we tell you to. And following the rules and following the dress code. And yeah, and there's a there's a whole lot of, of just the, the act and process of going to school that is just all about conformity. Oh, yeah. Insert Pink Floyd clip here. I mean, <laughs> not a huge fan. I'm obviously not a huge fan. Of I don't know that it's intentional. It may just be done because organizing several hundred kids is, is chaos if you have them all in one the same physical location. Um, maybe, maybe some of some of it, a lot of it's out of necessity. I'm sure. 
but well well so think about it right it was it was but yeah. now it's not right so is it is that chaos a sort of um you know, just cost of doing business, cost cost of doing public education, where, you know, you have to spend five minutes just getting kids to line up to go to lunch when, you know, and all, and, mm-hmm. and never mind all the, the stuff you have to do just to get your kid out the door in the morning with everything right. they need. And, you know, you could speak to that better than, than I can, but, you know, until the kid is autonomous, it's, it, it was chaos in our household when I was growing mm-hmm. up, it was complete chaos. Nobody wanted to do it. It was a constant fight. Where's this? Where's that? Oh, my pants are dirty. I mean, it was just like, I forgot to do my homework. You forgot to sign my homework. It was complete chaos. I stood in the bathroom yesterday morning with the hairdryer blow drying clothes that I'd forgot to put in the dryer, hoping that they would be done in time for the kid not to miss the bus. Mm-hmm. So we have a very, very small taste of this. Uh, twice a week, I take Cooper to karate. Mm-hmm. And it's really the pretty much the only, I can't think of anything else in our entire lives that the kids have to, that, that either of the kids has to be at, at a particular time with some stuff. Yeah. And half, yeah, I'd say 75% of the time it's fine, but 25% of the time it's a scramble. Somebody forgets something. Uh, Maggie like wants her diaper right at the last mm-hmm. second, you know? So to do that every single day at like 6 AM to me is like, it sounds like torture, frankly. Okay, so we don't have to go crazy talking about the chaos of kids getting ready for school. Yeah. But it does kind of remind me of the, the back in the day, the difference between when, you know, I would commute to work. I had one job where for a few years I had to commute, you know, a little over an hour both ways in traffic and all of the things that that entails and, you know, having a, sitting in traffic while you're late and all of those things. And imagining going back to that, like, yes, there are some advantages to in-person an in-person uh, face-to-face meeting, of course, but there are also a lot of advantages to not having to go through that sort of gauntlet every morning and evening and not having to have the overhead of the office. And, you know, there's, there are pros and cons to both sides of it. And it's, it's wild to imagine that this may be the snow day thing, which is causing a major problem for, for districts where they're having, you know, five, 10 snow days a year. Mm-hmm. It gives them a solution. It's kind of a backdoor for this. To become the norm. <laughs> yeah, to become, right. So for people to get to be like, you know, after you, you start telecommuting a little bit and then you go back to an office, you're like, whoa, why are we doing this again? Yeah, it's it's interesting. And there's there's all kinds of interesting things. You talk about pros and cons. Some stuff that, that was coming up in the article that they were getting out of it that you, you don't get in a classroom. Like one of the teachers said, um, they're talking about all these channels of communication for getting the students to interact with each other and talk. And, and one of them said, you know, I just had them use Twitter because they can use Twitter from a phone. They could use it from a laptop, from, from anything. Mm-hmm. And But then they started getting feedback on their Twitter conversations from other people who weren't in the class and, you know, had maybe picked up on the, the topic or, or hashtags or thing like, things like that. And they were, they were getting to engage with people that were, you know, they could be vastly different opinions or perspectives or, or cultures or that sort of thing. And you just mm. don't get that in a classroom. Yeah, that's an amazing angle. I mean, it, of course, yeah. that could go horribly wrong, too, like trolls. But, but you know, but that's, I, I hate to go there, though, because, you know, nothing's perfect. And that is a, is, to me, is a net positive where, you know, maybe you're talking about American history and like a, a politician jumps on or like a, a lawyer or constitu- you know, constitutional lawyer just hops in and is like, oh, I see a bunch of kids talking about this. Here's yeah. how it actually works. Yeah. Speaking of the Twitter thing, another thing um, uh, 
I think in that same passage, I found pretty eye-opening, which was that some of the kids who were really quiet in person spoke up more when they were in this sort of non-face-to-face environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can I can totally relate to that. Yeah, I can imagine. You you've said many times that you're maybe not the you're you know maybe I'm maybe on the shy side. In, yeah, this podcast is the closest I get to talking to people. <laughs> right. Like so, to imagine that there is that opportunity for kids who are less likely to speak up, maybe a little shy, maybe a little uncertain to be able to have just that little it's not anonymity but there's something it's a little protection there yeah there's some kind of protection there it's a little safer yeah there's a layer between you and, and everyone else mm-hmm. yeah there's no you know side eye <laughs> there's no none of that none of those glaring cold you know whatever or just like all of that information in fact all of that information that gets passed around in a room full of people is is missing in, in using the current technology and that's mm-hmm. Sometimes people consider that a bad thing. Sometimes it's not. Yeah. And in fact, maybe for for certain people in the group, it's a good thing. And for certain people in the group, it's a bad thing. In this case, it seems like maybe for the shyer kids, it's uh, a better, it's in a certain way, gives them the confidence to, you know, speak their mind a little bit, which seems good to me. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about interrupting people. It's a text conversation. You can jump in. You don't have to, like, like you said, you, you don't you don't need as much confidence. And then that sort of, that sort of layer there kind of gives you more. And, and it's funny because they were concerned that, oh, attendance is not going to be good. Nobody's going to log in and do this. And it was actually, attendance was actually higher than they had, than they normally had on a regular school day. (laughs) And I think one of the comments from one of the kids was like, I don't see what the big deal is. We do this all the time. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. The kids are already doing this. Like Cooper, Cooper will hang out Cooper will like ask to hang out with people in Minecraft. Mm-hmm. There's so many virtual spaces now that they're completely comfortable with. Yeah, they're they're super comfortable with it. They're already socializing that way. They just don't happen to be talking about history or math most of the time when they do. Right. So you throw a teacher in the chat room and give a give the chat room a direction, and all of a sudden it's like, wow. You know, we sure we're losing some things, I suppose, from the the meat space. But you're gaining a lot of other things, and if attendance is better, and if it turns out to be more effective, holy moly, mm-hmm. education is. I, I think there's going to be. I would not be surprised if we had a few more shows about education this season. We haven't. I don't recall talking about it too much in the past. Um, not a whole lot. We talked about it in the context of maybe using VR in the classroom, mm-hmm. but not really VR as the classroom. And you know, I kind of hesitated to start off on this because I was afraid it would just turn into another VR episode. And we did a lot of those in season three. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to mix it up some. And there's certainly a lot of room here for, for VR to come into play. But it's amazing like how much engagement and and capabilities and things you could do now, even with current technology. Sure. I mean, I'm on, I am on conference calls with Skype, Zoom, Google Hangouts, or whatever mm-hmm. it's called now, like constantly. And it's, it, yeah, it, it has tons of really big advantages. I mean, it takes away really the the big thing in the business world, at least for me, is that it takes away the accident of proximity. So like your physical location becomes irrelevant. The, the most important thing really is time zone because some people are just like middle of the night. It, it's very common for me to be in a video chat with a group of people where half of them are in Australia or New Zealand and it's the middle of the night. So, okay, there's that. But other than that, imagining that a classroom could cross geographic bounds and organize based on interest, 
I mean, it's basically, that's like the internet. That's the beginning of the internet yeah. is chat rooms. <laughs> yeah, that pretty much is. That's, and, you know, I, I purchased a couple of online classes a few weeks ago, or sorry, a few days ago, because they're, they're things that interest me. And, and yeah, there's, there's online education. You can get college degrees online. You can buy these non-accredited online courses just because you're interested in it. But, I mean, now we're talking about a way of, of getting teachers involved for younger people and some accreditation and actual this stuff is already happening. It's just not happening at this age level. Yep. Yeah. It's sort of coming. Yeah. It's, it's sort of rolling down, but weirdly it's also coming up from the bottom age wise, because I mean, like Cooper is just like a fish in water with all of these mm -hmm. virtual spaces. And I'm sure, you know, at a, there's a certain, you know, honestly, it's right around my age and your age, I think where there was a kind of a dead spot where we were kind of out of the industrial revolution. There was, it was no longer a world where we were going to graduate from college and be in the same job for 30 years and then retire. So that was kind of gone. And, but we hadn't, the internet really wasn't there yet. Like when we were graduating high, well, maybe for you it was, but, but it was just barely a thing is barely starting to become a, an accessible thing when I was starting college. Right. So, so we were, we we're kind of in that dead zone in the middle yeah. and our kids are like, you know, it's just total natural environment. So ex expect, dear listener, to hear more education-based shows here because it seems to be meeting like in both directions. And never mind all the mm -hmm. educational and ed, ed tech startups and people who are trying to blow up the... I mean, I don't think we need to... I don't think it's realistic to expect, expect technology to completely reinvent the way that public school works uh, because the, a lot of the things that I've seen at, you know, at, at conferences and stuff, people being like, we're going we're gonna to reinvent high school, at, you know... Like still, it's not happen. yeah. St there's still problems with like bandwidth in rural areas, and not everybody has a $800 phone. By the way, and yeah, and like there's a, and then there's a big, huge social aspect of high school that would be radically different if it was all done in a virtual classroom as well. I mean, I I can't see I can't see my kid spending time for just practicing for a virtual marching band and, and <laughs> things like that. You know, it's just yeah. There's a huge social aspect that kids need at that age. Mm -hmm. I think too. I think. I think. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're homeschooling Cooper and everybody says about homeschool. They're like, well, what about the social aspect? And it's, you know, he sees tons of kids yeah. on a regular basis, but it's not like going to school every single day with 30 kids. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. I'm not sure it needs to be like going to school every day with 30 kids. I think it just needs to, you know, they need to be out there in the environment and around other people and kids their age and socializing and stuff. And, but again, in some rural areas and that type of thing, school is the best opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Very cool. All right. Well, that's probably a good place to leave it. That's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we hope you join us again next week for Terrifying Robot Dog. Bye. Bye. Would you like to see Kelly and I in your inbox once a week? Get new episodes delivered straight to you with show notes, links to additional content, and more. Plus, you can reply to any message to suggest topics for a future episode. To get the inside track, go to terrifyingrobotdog.com and look for the Keep Me In The Loop button. That URL again is terrifyingrobotdog.com. <laughs>